Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. The need for more playmakers. It's something that's been discussed since the season ended, and we'll dive more into it here, looking specifically at the wide receiver position. There's DeAndre Hopkins, and then who? Good question. Much like when we talk cornerbacks, finding a pass catcher or two to pair with Hopkins should be addressed in both free agency and the draft. But first, when the owner speaks, everyone listens. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 395, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So a bit of good news to begin with, MJ. There is more money to spend. Not a lot, but very, or every little bit, I should say, counts as free agency approaches. In case the Bird Gang might have missed it, the league told teams that the salary cap floor has been raised from $175 million to $180 million. Owner Michael Bidwell confirmed that figure earlier on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. There's a possibility that number could still be adjusted. Remember, teams operated with a cap of $198 million for 2020. And in a normal offseason, that number would have jumped by $10 million or so. Things, though, anything but normal over the past 365 days. Here's what Michael had to say. And then, MJ, I want to get your thoughts. Quote, we've got to cram a lot more salary into that salary cap. It's going to be difficult for every team to manage these things, end quote. Cardinals a little bit better shaped than most teams, but still, this is going to be an interesting few couple of weeks here before we get to the new league year of March 17th. And when you look at that, Craig, I mean, you're talking about $210 million would have been the cap. And, uh, you know, there are teams that have over 40 to 50 million, not a lot, just maybe five or six to, to come off the top of my head, but. Um, you know, uh, you know, five million. That could mean signing another player. I mean, I think guys are going to sign one-year rentals um, and then try to cash in. Now, the TV contract should kick in uh, over the next ten years, and it sounds like you know ABC slash ESPN is going to try to get the Monday night game. We know Sunday night's been really effective with the flexing. Uh, Amazon could be on Thursday night. They're going to bid on it along with the NFL Network. Obviously, CBS and Fox still likes to protect their conferences. So um, I anticipate next year you'll see that cap go up. Now, again, uh, Michael mentioned on the radio this morning on Newsmakers Week, as you pointed out, 98.7, that cap's going to go down about 15% uh, from last year. So um, it's for all 32 clubs. And, uh, you know, I got to be creative. And, you know, I was encouraged when he was talking about Patrick Peterson. You know, he's had conversations with Patrick and, you know, is Patrick willing to take $11 million per year? I mean, just guessing. And then you look at guys like Larry Fitzgerald, who Michael did mention that he flew home with Larry from the Super Bowl. So, obviously, they're going to give Larry as much time as he needs to make his decision. Um, you know, they really didn't get into Hassan Reddick, but he was really excited uh, and bullish on the 2021 season when it came to the general manager and head coach. He mentioned Buda Baker getting Chandler Jones back. He was excited about the upside of Isaiah Simmons. So, you know, uh, we look at it as progress, but I think we're all disappointed as he was when the season ended uh, abruptly. 
Yeah, our colleagues Darren and Kyle have stories up on azcardinals.com about what Michael had to say. I want to go back to the Patrick Peterson conversation because we talked about it earlier this week here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. He'll be 31 years old next season. And Michael made it very clear on the air today, quote, we want to have him back, end quote. But then he added this with respect to what we just touched on about the salary cap. And it was an answer concerning Patrick, but this could very well go for every player across the league. Quote, I think a lot of these veteran players need to work with us. They need to understand that while their salary expectations and compensation expectations might be one thing, we've got to look at it with the reality that the salary cap is going down, end quote. And here is where relationships come into play, where you can sit down and have that conversation and be honest with each other, because yes, I'm not going to fault any player. You get as much as you can, yet at the same time, what can you get if you want to remain with a certain team? What can you get if you want to go to a certain team that you want to win with, or is more money more important to you? These are all conversations that need to have happen or have already happened, but It was good to hear Michael say that, one, they want Peterson back, and two, they've already had some conversations. And it sounds like that they've been up front with each other, at least from Michael's standpoint. Hey, we want to have you back. Understand this, though. Maybe it's not going to be at the dollar figure that you're anticipating, expect, or maybe even deserve because where we are as a franchise and where this league is in its entirety. Well said, and I think we can use that same uh, parallel to Larry Fitzgerald. Now, Larry's been fortunate enough to, you know, his agent passed away a few years ago in Eugene Parker, and, you know, clearly he's got a relationship with the uh, Michael Bidwell over the years. And, you know, so Larry really negotiates with himself, and usually the number's been $11 million, but if the cap's going down and, you know, is he, is, is, is he projected to have 75 catches if he comes back? I mean, is he going to get six, 700 yards at least more than one touchdown. So I think everyone's going to have to uh, do their part. And I guess we'll find out who wants to be here. And, you know, Larry's, I think, a separate conversation, just where he's in his career, where Patrick still wants to play a couple more years. I think Larry's been on a year-to-year deal. So a little bit different circumstance, but the parallel to where how much you can pay a certain guy, I think it's, it's all up for debate. And I think we're both in agreement here that when you talk about the fan base, they really don't, care about salary cap and yes they understand it's out there but they just want the team to win they want all the best players to be on their team that's why when players get released i.e jj watt it's oh just go out and sign them well if you're the general manager if you're that front office you've got other things to look at and it's balancing your checkbook so to speak that's the best way i can explain this you can't spend more than what you make put you in debt i mean that's just the, the easy way of putting this out there is like, yes, you'd love to sign X, Y, and Z, but can you afford X, Y, and Z? And look, I get it. It's not our money. You only care about what happens on Sundays, but this is a huge picture that every franchise is dealing with here in February and in March and going in deeper into the offseason because – I'm fascinated and would love to know more about the behind the scenes conversations that are taking place, but teams are going to have to make difficult decisions as far as perhaps releasing players or telling players we'd like to have you, but, and then here's a number, 
take it or leave it. And then if you leave it, well, we've got to move on because that's just the reality of this unique and hopefully the only time we have this conversation in an offseason. Yeah, and if you look at it over the league, I mean, I mean, Cardinals try to do the best thing based on the uh, CDC's recommendation. They try to have fans there, but let's be honest. I mean, usually uh, the Red Sea supports the Cardinals, and whether it's 60, 65,000, and they didn't have concessions. And so, and that's for every team around the league. So, you know, at the end of the day, the franchises are worth billions, but, you know, you know, for the Cardinals, they don't have another outside business like some of these other owners. They were their family owned. And um, obviously they've made major progress moving into State Farm Stadium. Um, you know, over the years, you're able to get, you know, more, uh, you know, more revenue to spend money. And they've done that. But I, I also think when, you know, when it comes to the fans, well, they overpaid for this guy. I mean, uh, the, the the league sends a check to every team for $225 million. So fans say, you know, I paid my – I'm a season ticket holder, so I have a right to say that, and I get that. But at the same time, though, um, that's the going rate. If somebody's willing to pay player A that, then they feel like he's worth it. So fans get into, oh, they overpaid for this guy and this – I mean, at the end of the day, they have a cap guy. The, the, a lot of it's analytics. Um, they pump, punch in numbers and statistics and compare them to other players. So if one team feels like that guy's worth it, then they didn't overpay for him. And I think fans have to understand that. Uh, and again, the fans want them to go out and be active in free agency and aggressive. I mean, you, you, I mean, every team should do that, but you, you got to be cautious of your salary cap and you always got to look two or three years ahead. And it's not just this year. Obviously the Cardinals feel like they need to make the playoffs. And, you know, I don't know if there's been an ultimatum, but it sounds like um, they want to see more improvement from, overall from the draft picks, the free agency signings, and obviously the team. So, but yeah, I mean, if somebody's willing to pay a player that, then, you know, I, I, I chuckle when they say, well, go out and sign JJ Watt. And the first thing I say is it's not fantasy football. And then they're like, I know that. Uh, but I mean, you just can't sign every single guy. I'm sure the Browns fans are having the same conversation about JJ Watt, the Steelers, uh, the Packers, you know, there could be a, a team we're not talking about like Buffalo. So, um, the teams that manage the cap well, they're the ones that you probably see um, deep into the postseason every year. Bottom line is those superstar players will be paid like superstar players, but there's going to be a dramatic drop-off between that top tier and everyone else, at least this offseason, and we'll see how things shake out going forward. But uh, I'm fascinated by how this is all going to work, and of course we'll cover it right here on Cardinals Cover 2. Chase Edmonds uh, tweeted something out interesting. He got the conversation going nationally. And, you know, I've talked about, you know, uh, the Buccaneers with the fact that they should be better for this upcoming season, even though they got a lot of free agents, uh, high-priced free agents. Um, you know, I think they're going to get five primetime games um, at least. Um, uh, no state tax there. So, I, I mean, I think – Guys are willing to sign a one-year deal to go to the Buccaneers. Hopefully that's the case for the Cardinals. And some of their guys that, you know, want to get paid, but they're going to have to be patient because of the salary cap going down. So it is fascinating because it's not going to be like a normal offseason when it comes to signings. Again, teams have money, so you'll see the big names either get franchise tag or transition tag. So, they, you know, the good teams don't allow their good players to go out there and set the market. So – it is fascinating just to see how it's all going to shake out. And, and I'm sure every team has a little bit different plan 
uh, when it comes to offering these one-year contracts, you can load them up with incentives. So if the player plays well, you're willing to pay them. Here's what Edmonds tweeted that kind of went viral, if you will. <laughs> this free agency going to be wild. Going to be a lot of really good players take one-year rentals because that salary cap, super teams type, in my opinion. We're going to see, though, end of tweets. And, you know, we've heard that super team reference before. I'll go back to the Philadelphia Eagles once upon a time. That is really dating myself here, but that obviously didn't work, but it did work this past season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if you will, when you go out and get a Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette, all those players helped the Buccaneers win a championship. We'll see if there's a team out there that goes that one-year route, but there is a risk when you do it that way. Yeah, and, and, and listen, I, I hope the Cardinals could convince some of their players and maybe some other guys, uh, you know, just to system, um, you know, maybe you have a relationship with some of the coaching staff. But, you know, why wouldn't you want to go play with Tom Brady for one year? Roll the dice because, well, he gets to the Super Bowl, it seems like, every other year. And, and they should be better in Arian's system. We're not going to hear about they're not on the same page. And, you know, obviously Carson Palmer struggled the first eight games and Brady made strides in the second half. And then he was kind of running uh, him and Leftwich were on the same page. But if you're a guy chasing a ring, I mean, there's no guarantees. I mean, if Brady goes down, then it's, you know, Blaine Gabbard. And I was surprised that Jason Light said that Blaine Gabbard could be part of the future there. Yeah, that was an interesting statement. I referenced the articles up on azcardinals.com from both Darren Urban and Kyle Odegaard concerning Michael Bidwell's conversation this morning on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. That gives us to this point, Bird Gang, if you haven't already, if you want Darren and Kyle in the palm of your hand, make sure you update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. All right, as we continue here on this Thursday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, we continue our position-by-position position look at the Arizona Cardinals headed into this new league year, free agency and the draft. Earlier this week, it was cornerbacks. Now we're going to focus on wide receivers. And let's get the elephant out of the room right now. We do not know, as we talked about, what's going to happen with Larry Fitzgerald. But even if he does choose to come back for an 18th season, the Cardinals need to address this position either in free agency or the draft or both. Because as we look at what the Cardinals currently have at that position, MJ, DeAndre Hopkins, second team all pro, no issues, no concerns about D-Hop. But then the three other players under contract, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, and Keyshawn Johnson question marks about all three of those players and let's just go one by one for Kirk final year of his rookie contract we haven't seen him make that jump significant jump if you will and really be that consistent pass catching threat that I think we all anticipated him to be when he was selected the hometown kid to play for the hometown team he's had flashes just not consistent enough I'm not going to say that this is a make-or-break season for him. He'll find his way onto an NFL team next season, whether it's the Cardinals or someone else. But is he that $10, $12 million player as a number two wide receiver? Or is he that three, four, five wide receiver and all of a sudden making four, five, six million million next season? That 
for Christian Kirk is the question we have to ask ourselves in 2021. I look at Christian Kirk. Um, I think he definitely needs to stay healthy and that's stating the obvious. And, and then I think the COVID really affected him. I, I don't think he came off the COVID list like two weeks after the season. So, and he's another guy like Byron Murphy and Trent Sherfield and Chase Edmonds. Um, they work out, they go to Florida. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if they try to go to Texas again to work out with Kyler Murray. Hopefully uh, Hopkins is involved in that if, if they're able to do that kind of stuff, even though the, uh, the NFLPA kind of, um, you know, they don't prefer it, but you can still get away with it if there's not a lot of uh, social media out there. So um, I'm still a believer in Kirk. It's just he, he's got to play 16 games, and it's easy for me to say. I mean, he's a smaller guy, and, you know, he, you know but he works hard. It's, it's not a lack of effort. Um, so uh, I think we tried to build him up as a two. Right now he's probably a three or a four, and that's why, you know, the Cardinals only have five draft picks, and that's why I'm looking at them possibly trading down. We'll get into that closer to the draft because the free agency starts first. So I think we talked about it over the last couple of days, cornerback, and wide receiver, I think you're going to have to address in both the draft and free agency, and that's why the Cardinals need more picks, whether it's six or seven. For Kirk, it's not an issue about talent or working hard. It's just that consistency. And I think sometimes even when he was healthy, though, MJ, he kind of got lost in the shuffle. And I don't know if that was either because by design that that week's game plan, it was about someone else as far as that Kyler Murray had his eyes on or just wasn't him getting open. And that's something that the coaching staff really has to take a look at this offseason is what is keeping Christian Kirk from taking that next step to be that number two wide receiver that I think was not only an expectation, but I think even for him, something that he should be at at this point. Yeah, as you pointed out on our, our show prep, 48 catches, 629 yards. He did tie uh, Hopkins with uh, six touchdowns, 79 targets in 14 games. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a situation where, you know, um, you know, they get they got to find out. I mean, so it's it's it is a big year for him. Just if he wants to, you know, obviously be recognized as a number two or three receiver on the league and you know, we'll see what happens after the season, but you know, I I think he's built for it. It's just a matter of him being consistent. Um, you know, I think also the issue was when Larry was in there, he's playing in the slot. And then when Larry wasn't playing, they had Isabella in there. And I don't know if Kirk's really an outside receiver. I think he's a slot guy. And so you got a long jam there and, you know, you draft players with position flexibility and you hope they can do more. I think Keyshawn Johnson's more of an outside guy. And I think he's proven that with his route running. He's got to get more consistent. All these guys do. And we haven't even talked about Isabella. So I just feel like there's a logjam at that slot position. And then you got, you know, on paper, Keyshawn and Hopkins on the outside. But when you look at Larry, Kirk, and Isabella, um, you know, they they got to be more productive. And obviously, you know, they got to be on the field for more snaps. Uh, but again, I, I just didn't think that uh, they targeted Larry enough and maybe he wasn't open, but I'll take my chances with Larry Fitzgerald. Interesting point that you make as far as Kirk, whether he's an inside or an outside receiver, but let's continue and talk about the other two wide receivers under contract from the same draft class, Andy Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson, and certainly more disappointment on Isabella considering he was a second round pick and he just has not really found his footing in the National Football League yet. 21 catches, 224 yards on 35 targets, and he was inactive 
for three games late in the season. And that certainly was a red flag. And it has to be considered something to pay attention to because anytime you're inactive, there's a reason. And a healthy scratch, there's a reason. With Keyshawn Johnson, he missed a couple of games earlier in the season because he was on the reserve COVID-19 list. And then five games, he also was inactive. So here are two pieces to the puzzle that you chose to make not available during that given week for whatever reason. And now you're looking at two players that you invested in draft picks. I get Isabella second round versus Johnson, a sixth round, but still draft picks are in such large demand. There was a reason they selected these players. They're not getting a return on that investment right now or as of yet. Yeah. And the only thing we can tell you is, uh, you know, we got a chance to watch training camp. Some of the stuff was, uh, you know, after a certain portion of the practice, maybe towards the end, we weren't allowed to, we're allowed to report on it. But I, I thought he was making strides. I thought he was more fluent in catching the ball, not with his chest, his hands. Um, we talked to former wide receiver coach David Rye, and he thought he was making progress. Maybe when the bright lights come on, you know, went to a small school, uh, kind of an underdog. I don't, I don't know, but He's got the speed, and I, I keep mentioning Scotty Miller, Scotty Miller, and I know he's got Brady thrown to him, and he's got Godwin and Mike Evans and Gronk and Cameron Brait, so maybe he's not getting double teamed. He clearly wasn't getting double teamed in that NFC Championship game against the Packers, but I, I don't understand. And so I, I think it's between the ears, and you, you, when you step on the field, you've got to be confident because uh, we know – um, he's got to get better on uh, getting off press coverage. He's got to get better in separation, but you can't teach that speed. So I, I, I could see why they were intrigued running the air raid offense when they drafted him. It's just, it hasn't, it hasn't flourished over a period of time, but um, you know, a new, new, new voice in the room with, with Sean Jefferson, um, you know, he's going to coach a little bit different than maybe these other guys. I don't know the situation with Jerry Sullivan. He's been a consultant. So um, again, uh, they got to get on the field. Uh, none of this virtual stuff. And I know that it's, uh, according to Michael this morning, it looks like it's going to be a lot like last year, but these guys got to get on the field and there's no reason why they can't work out with each other. Johnson, the one thing that we heard repeatedly when he was drafted and then leading into that first season was how well he ran his routes. So maybe it is something that is not translating from the practice to game day and maybe more mental than physical with him. I'm glad you brought up Sean Jefferson, the new wide receivers coach. We had a chance to hear from him earlier this week. Now, to be fair, he was asked certainly about Isabella Johnson, and we'll include Christian Kirk in this conversation as well. But in his words, talking about Coach Jefferson, quote, I'm in the evaluation process right now. I'm looking forward to working with those guys. So no real specific answers or assessments from him about those three young players, but sometimes maybe, and this is what the Cardinals I think are hoping because this is the only change on the coaching staff. This is the only new face on the offensive side. That's Sean Jefferson. Can a new voice, new teacher, if you will, kind of get that light bulb to turn on for a Kirk, Isabella and Johnson. And again, uh, we spoke very highly of David Rye and, you know, he was a guy that Cliff Kingsbury had a prior relationship with them and they decided to move on. And, and Jerry Sullivan's 70 years old. And so, you know, sometimes you get a different voice and Jerry's, he's really a technician. I mean, when he came back, he told Larry, he was leaning a little bit forward on his routes and Larry made the adjustment. So he's good from an, an outside perspective, but to be in the, in, in the meeting rooms and the, 
you know, there's going to be some tough love. I mean, when you come out and say this is a talented wide receiver group, well, people want to see you back that up. So, um, you know, sometimes you're only good as the players on the field, but obviously I think a different voice is going to go a long way. And, you know, I, I, I didn't, I let, you know, some of the other media were asking questions of beat writers and, you know, a lot of times Darren or Kyle asked something I was going to ask. And the only thing I would ask is when you come in here, do these guys get a clean, uh, canvas you know you hear you see the film you you know what you can work on but do you give them a, a clean canvas to where I'm going to judge you on from here on out I'm not going to you know I know the film I know what people are saying in the building but I'm going to give you a clean canvas and I think that will go a long way where they don't feel the pressure like okay yes I get to hit the reset button it doesn't happen a lot in the NFL it doesn't happen a lot but I just think a different voice and a former player and a guy that played in two Super Bowls and has a good rapport around players around the league, I think that can go a long way. The only thing I'll say to that, though, is Coach Jefferson could give them a new slate, a new reset. I just don't know if the organization, at least in that front office, when you're looking, as we've talked about, two, three years down the road, I mean, right now this might be it for those three and I'm, I, you know, that I think that's a fair thing to say with respects to are they on this team? Are they a part of this team going into 2022? You know, if they perform, then the answer is yes. If they don't, then you need to move on because, as we've seen around the National Football League, um, it's one thing to say you're patient; it's another thing to actually be patient. And we've seen teams are just not patient in this day and age. And I would agree with that. Now. I got. I have a hard time thinking they would cut Kirk, Isabella, and Keyshawn Johnson. They don't have a lot of depth, and we haven't even gotten to Trent Shurfield, and I don't know why he's not getting reps. Uh, we know he's obviously a special teams guy, and that was probably the reason why Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson were out because he was that fourth receiver or fifth, and they were trying to incorporate Dan Arnold and Chase Evans more in the, in the passing game. So, um, yeah, there's no guarantees. Uh, they got to make the roster, but the way the roster looks right now, I think they're going to get every opportunity to show their upside. Well, let's talk about Trent Shurfield because I know you've been big on him for a number of seasons, and he's a restricted free agent. I don't see him going anywhere just because of his value on special teams first and foremost, and that's where he has made his mark so far. It's where he will continue to make his mark, knock on wood, and I think has found a home. The question is, is every player on special teams wants a role on offense or defense. They want to do more. And we saw what Dennis Gardeck could do when given that opportunity. Is it time now for Sherfield, who did have five catches for 50 yards this past season, and in fact did start week 17 when both Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk were not available, is this year where the Cardinals say, look, we like what you do on special teams. Let's really see what you're able to do If we invest more time in you as a wide receiver, it's going to put a lot on Sherfield to do both because I don't see special teams coordinator Jeff Rogers saying, hey, I can't afford to lose him on my side of the field. So maybe you're doing double duty. It's difficult, but it has been done before. And I would be interested and curious to see if you gave Sherfield more of an opportunity as a wide receiver, what he would do with that opportunity. Uh, I think that's wishful thinking because, you know, Cliff's been here a couple of years and they just, they haven't valued him as a receiver. And there's a reason why they went out and, and brought in Crabtree and, you know, they brought in Kevin White um, and they drafted three guys uh, a year ago. So I, I, I mean, I can't speak for them. I don't watch practice. Um, I just know that 
I don't think they value him as a receiver as much as they do a special teams player. And, and I, I think, you know, uh, curious to see what the restricted number will be. Uh, unfortunately for him, he's, he's carved his, his niche in special teams like Dennis Gardeck has and Ezekiel Turner. And we've seen other guys in the past. Hopefully Evan Weaver can, you know, get active on the roster because I'm intrigued with him as a young player. So I'm not second guessing them, but I just feel like he, if there was an opportunity last year where Isabella was struggling and then, you know, Keyshawn missing some time and the way Kirk was out, that would have been a golden opportunity to put him out there. I think when you go four wide, he's my, he's my top, I would say he's the fourth receiver. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's, it's, it's a good assessment on your part that, you know, if it hasn't happened already, why would it happen going forward? But it was see something that he's kind of got lost in the shuffle. Um, other players to consider, and these are five players that have been signed to futures contracts. Some are familiar names. Rico Gafford, Krishan Hogan, A.J. Richardson, JoJo Ward, and Isaac Whitney. Hogan, Richardson, Ward, and Whitney were all on the practice squad this past season. In fact, Richardson ended the season on practice squad injured reserve, and he's kind of more of one of those speed players. And then Gafford, just looking at some of his numbers, you know, three seasons in the league, but only played eight games with the Raiders, 5'10", a buck 83. Curious to see him on whether how he fits, but all of these players that I just mentioned, with the exception of Hogan, who comes in at 6'3", 217, they all seem to be slot guys. I mean, the, 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 the shorter, lighter receivers that would appear to have be more effective inside, and you already brought it up that they're kind of, they're a little bit overloaded at that position. We've watched A.J. Richardson um, over the last couple of years. I mean, he's kind of built like Bolden. I'm not comparing. I'm just saying size-wise, he's very thick. Um, I think JoJo Ward could be an outside guy. He's 5'9", 175. He's fast. I, I, I was really intrigued with him in training camp. And, and again, when you draft three receivers and you still have Kirk and Larry and you bring in Hopkins, it really wasn't a role for him. And maybe he could be your kick returner, your punt returner, if Chase becomes your, your featured running back. So I'm intrigued with JoJo Ward. Um, you know, he was on – he ended the season on the practice squad – um, and again, he's, he's going to have to play on teams. He could be a gunner maybe possibly, but he's not, he's not the biggest guy, but you look at Sherfield, um, he's six one two nineteen. where you look at Ward, he's five nine one seventy five. as you pointed out uh, on our prep sheet. So, um, again, the more the merrier, but I do think the draft and free agency, and I don't think they're going to go out and spend money on these, some of these guys in free agency with the top names, but, and then there's also the draft and, Cardinals are in a good spot at 16, whether they move down or not. Maybe they go best available player. Um, you know, I'm big into the trenches, but if there's a receiver out there and you think he's a number two or he could be, um, that's how we talk about it. I mean, watch the Super Bowl. Look at the playmakers on the field. And, and maybe you can go back to the conference championship games and, and the divisional rounds. you got to have weapons. And right now um, they got they got a number one wide receiver and a bunch of two and a half threes and fours, you know, and I think that Fitz should be more targeted if he does come back. Before we get into free agency and draft prospects, as far as a window into how the Cardinals might answer what you just brought up, as far as that receiver next to Hopkins, let's touch on Hopkins here for a moment. Everyone knows about his numbers and what he was able to accomplish this past season. In fact, Sean Jefferson, that was the one player that new wide receivers coach Sean Jefferson was familiar with, and I think everyone is familiar with. He called him, talking about Hopkins, a phenomenal talent, a generational talent, and one of maybe the only wide receivers playing today 
that Jefferson could compare to Calvin Johnson, who he coached when he was with the Detroit Lions. Now, that's heady praise right there. But when you look at Hopkins's numbers as far as how they rank with the top wide receivers in the league, and I went back and looked because Hopkins was a second-team All-Pro. He was not happy with that, but Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and Stephon Diggs were your three wide receivers that made first-team All-Pro. And Hopkins is pretty consistent with those guys as far as touchdowns, yards per catch, yards after catch, and then catches of 20-plus yards and 40-plus yards. But when you look at those numbers individually and where they rank, well, Hopkins is 29th in the league in touchdowns, 54th in yards per catch, 74th in yards after catch. But it's I look back at how Hopkins ranked with the other number one wide receivers, the elite of the elite, if you will, and he's right there. So I have no qualms whatsoever about Hopkins. Yeah, I think you'd like to see him in the end zone more. I think everyone would. But what he has done, whether he practices or not, you can't argue with his production, whether big picture or you really break it down to what he did on a week-to-week basis. When you look at the numbers that you did the research on, I think it's fair to point out you know, because early in this season, the Cardinals were throwing that bubble screen and he was getting yards after catch. And we know that, you know, towards the end of the year, they were moving him around. Uh, he was in the slot. He was running some slant routes. But when you start, you know, my thing is, and, and again, putting up 1,500 yards is impressive. Um, you know, he, he was second with uh, seven 100-yard receiving games. He had the second most targets. But I, when I look at these wide receivers over the last three years, and of course, this is only Hop's first year, you know, Devontae Adams has 36 touchdowns, Tyreek Hill, 34, Adam Thielen, 29, Mike Evans, 29, Tyler Lockett, 28, Travis Kelsey, 26, Calvin Ridley, who's a young player, 26, and Hopkins at 24. So I want to see more touchdowns from Hopkins. I mean, I, I get it, the 1,500 yards, and I can't tell you how many first downs he got and how many times he was targeted in the red zone. Um, and that's what you want from your number one wide receiver. But just some more, some more touchdowns, and I'll take 1,300 yards. Second most catches for Hopkins as far as catches that resulted in a first down. So 75 of his 115 catches got a first down, moved the sticks, if you will. And that is really doing a deep dive here because when you just look at where Hopkins ranks as far as yards per catch – It's not good, as we talked about. It's 54th. You'd certainly like to see him average more than 12.2. But in comparison to a Stephon Diggs, that's better than Diggs. It's better than Adams. And then yards after catch, 4.59. That ranks 74th. But that is a number that's better than Diggs, who we all consider to be among the elite, if not the best wide receiver in the game. So because these guys catch so many footballs, when you divide the number of catches by, you know, uh, per game or per reception as far as the yards that they're gaining, then all of a sudden I think it gets skewed a little bit. But that's why I like, you know, if you need a first down, where are you looking? Typically for the Cardinals, MJ, that was always number 11. Now I think we're seeing that torch passed. That when Kyler Murray needed to make a big play, he's looking in the direction of number 10. And DeAndre Hopkins more times than not, Move the sticks for the Arizona Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins, 150 receptions, one drop. One drop on the air. Now you start looking at, you know, some of the deep passes. Um, you know, he had 
Now, D passes, I, it's always subjective, I guess. It's fluid. When, am I talking over 15 yards or 20 or 25? But according to Pro Football Focus, he was targeted uh, 13 times on D passes, Kirk 19. And it was interesting is Chase Edmonds was averaging six, one, uh, six yards, uh, yards after catch, where, as you pointed out, Hopkins, similar to Diggs and Devontae Adams, who are, you know, number one receivers in the league, uh, Hop was at four five, Kirk was at three eight, and Larry was at three four. So, you know, that was one thing that we t- started talking about midseason. Are they getting, are they getting separation? But I think when we go back to the Miami game and, and the New England game, they did a much better job protecting the edges. And anytime Hopkins caught one of those bubble screens, uh, they tackled him. And so the Cardinals weren't able to get yards after catch. But for the most part. Um, when they start moving Hopkins around, that's where you get the yards after the catch. You know how I feel, uh, whether it was Joe Montana, uh, who you grew up watching, or Steve Young, and John Taylor and Jerry Rice, you throw that little slant pass. I'm not saying he has the speed, but he, he's agile enough to get it in the open field, and, and somebody's going to have to chase him down. So I, I like the fact that they're moving him around because you got to create matchups for other guys on offense. Cardinals did make a wise move in the offseason to acquire DeAndre Hopkins. But as we've talked now, he can't do it by himself. He needs help. And how do the Cardinals get him some help, get Kyler Murray some help as far as this passing offense, which ranks 17th in the league this past season? That's a number that certainly needs to be better. Before we get out of that, a reminder that if you enjoy what you're listening to right now, Cards Cover 2, You can subscribe to all of Arizona Cardinals podcasts via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows when you want to. Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, The Cardinals Red Sea Report, and of course this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. So two ways, MJ, this team can improve its wide receiver position. Free agency or the draft. Let's first touch briefly on free agents. Because I know, as we discussed at the start of the show, it's not our money. The Bird Gang doesn't care. They just want to see results on the field on Sundays. You look at the top free agents, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Will Fuller. Those are guys that are going to get paid this offseason, regardless of the salary cap. And I just don't know if that's in the budget of the Cardinals this year. Well, considering, you know, you got Hopkins under contract for the next, uh, what is it, three to four years, um, it's I think an extension. And one thing to, to point out, Godwin, 24, Allen Robinson, 27, Galladay, 27, Will Fuller, 26. Now, Fuller did have to serve a suspension, but those are the ages where you want to extend guys, and I'm sure all those teams now, Galladay, I don't know if he fell out of favor with Matt Patricia, but he didn't seem like he wanted to play. Allen Robinson you know, a lot of it's going to depend on who the quarterback's going to be there. Godwin, you can't keep them all, so I think he's going to be. And then you have some guys that are more affordable, and when you start talking about affordable, they're a little bit older, not dog's age, but just in general. Guys that are close to 30 or beyond 30, you know, an A.J. Green, a T.Y. Hilton, guys who have produced, they all have their warts, if you will, but maybe you can get them on the cheap or a one-year prove-it deal but then you're looking that there's always a reason that these guys are available. So you have to assess that with what you already have, but these are just some of the names. And then I really went and did some research over the last couple of days because I did this when Vance Joseph was hired as defensive coordinator, who has he coached who he might have Intel on that might be able to help the Arizona Cardinals defensively. 
Well, I did it again with Sean Jefferson, not saying anything, not reporting anything, but you look at his time with the Jets. Well, Rashad Perryman, who's 27 years old, is due to become an unrestricted free agent. Might he be someone of interest to the Cardinals, perhaps on the cheap? And then another name, and this is a younger player, but not very well known, Isaiah Ford, 25 years old, played with the Miami Dolphins. He was with Jefferson when Jefferson was with the Dolphins before he arrived and spent two seasons with the New York Jets. So he's familiar with these players, and maybe he can offer some insight or, hey, you know what, especially in the case of Ford, he's really gotten better since Jefferson went on to the Jets. So maybe these two players can be someone that maybe get linked to the Cardinals or the Cardinals kick the tires on, if you will, as far as figuring out, A, is their interest? B, do they have the money to afford? Or they ha- do they have a, an asking price, if you will, that would line up to what the Cardinals are willing to spend at another wide receiver? Because as you mentioned, they're spending a lot with Hopkins as just one player. You know, I don't think a guy like Isaiah Ford, 25 years old, is, I mean, he's probably going to have to sign a one-year deal. I know all these guys, when you get, you know, when you first get free agency, you want a multi-year deal, uh, you know, their agents are going to tell them, hey, whatever I told you last spring, it's different now. It's based on the salary cap. So, yeah, I like the fact that, you know, Sean Jefferson does have some intel, 25 years old, don't think he'll cost you. He'd have to make the roster. Bashard Perryman's 27 from the Jets. Um, yeah, I mean, so – and then you got the draft. And uh, before we get into some of the names, um, you know, I looked at – I only sample a few mock drafts. I don't – quite frankly, the teams don't know what the Cardinals draft board is going to look like, okay? And they just look at needs. And then what you don't do in free agency, you'll do in the draft. So I only look at a couple mocks. I look at names. I don't really put a whole lot of stock in that stuff. But I did look at Jeremiah's, who's, who's been a former scout in the NFL. I, I'll, I'll tell you, I look at – Mel Kuyper and, and Todd McShay, because they've been doing it for a long time. And maybe I'll glance at another one. But for the most part, I, I'm not fixated on mock drafts like I used to be. Um, so when you look at that, I looked at Jeremiah's, and he has four wide receivers coming off the board by the 20th overall pick. Cardinals are picking 16th. So he's got he's got three before the Cardinals pick, and he's got one going at number 20. Now, if you get four or five quarterbacks off the board, and then, you know, there's other positions going to be there. So – um, the Cardinals could have, um, you know, one of their options, depending on how the draft goes, whether it's size, speed, uh, how productive these guys were in college. You know, you look at Jalen Waddell, obviously injured, but a lot of th- people think he's probably e- equal to a guy like Devondre Smith, who's only 175, but he was a Heisman Trophy winner. So um, it'd be interesting, again, what they do in free agency will dictate what they do in the draft. And I think you and I are in agreement cornerback wide receiver probably in both and it may not be top names but in the draft obviously that will get a lot of attention daniel jeremiah and bucky brooks of nfl.com that's another name yeah along with mel kuyper and todd mcshay those are the four that we kind of really pay attention to in fact bucky brooks's first mock draft did have Devontae smith falling to the cardinals at number 16 with really opened up people's eyes because you're talking about the heisman trophy winner unanimous all-american you're like wondering how does he slip well he might be the third best wide receiver in this draft class according to those that follow it much more closely than we do because jamar chase out of lsu did not play this past season but was phenomenal in 2019 and then you brought up waddle who was hurt for much of this past season. So we didn't see two of the best wide receivers in this draft class. We only saw what Smith was able to do 
And he was amazing, especially in the national championship game. So if the Cardinals do have a wide receiver, at least one of those three names at their opportunity to select at number 16, I think it would be very hard for them not to go wide receiver if one of those three names are there. And yeah, you can make an argument for corner edge rusher, but then, you know, is the number three wide receiver better than the number one edge rusher as far as the grading system is concerned? And then, of course, free agency. If you go out and sign a wide receiver for big money or a couple of different wide receivers for minimal numbers of cash, then all of a sudden that probably would take wide receiver off the board, at least in the first round. Yeah, I mean, if you feel that need. Now, you know, last year, uh, we were fortunate enough to get to the combine. You know, combine this year, but, you know, we kept hearing about Henry Ruggs because of his speed, and then uh, Judy and, and CeeDee Lamb. And quite frankly, the Cardinals like Justin Jefferson, and not to, you know, add salt to the wound because they liked him, but they also liked Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons was ranked really high on their board. You know, after Chase Young and Jeff Akuda and the Cardinals had Patrick Peterson. So all of a sudden, after Chase Young, Isaiah Simmons was ranked that high. I don't know for sure, but I think he was ranked third overall. And then you look at all the offensive tackles that were out there. So, you know, teams look at players differently, but I know they really like Justin Jefferson, and he happened to be the um, uh, an outstanding rookie year, put up numbers better than Anquan Bolden, which is hard to believe. Well, how about Brandon Ayuk? The 49ers were very high on him, and that was a name that was not really bandied about as far as Good being point. among the top wide receivers. And then GM John Lynch come out and said that they were even considering selecting him you know, at the top of the draft as opposed to late in the draft when they got him. So that's what we don't know, what these personnel, personnel uh, people are looking at. What are their eyes telling them that we don't see either based off of interviews or film or their background research, if you will, because that was a huge surprise seeing Brandon Ayuk get off the board as soon as he did. Great example. That's a great example. And, and we're not just talking what the Cardinals did. They came out and said they had him ranked number one at wide receiver. And, and if he would have been able to stay healthy, he's, I mean, he's a weapon. Uh, we didn't face him in week one or the Cardinals didn't face him in week one. No Debo Samuel out there. Um, and, and, you know, regardless of Garoppolo's there and the way Shanahan runs that offense, he's also returns punts. So that's a great example outside the organization. They had him number one, not Ruggs, not Judy and not Lamb. It is something that, again, we don't know until afterwards. And then sometimes we never find out. But it's those little details that kind of surface after the draft. And all of a sudden, hey, it either you can look like a genius or you can go, well, who had them rated that high because of what didn't happen during that particular season. But wide receiver is going to be figured out at some point this offseason. Just a question of when the Cardinals choose to roll the dice at that position. I think it's the eye of the beholder. I mean, you listen, I, I know fans and media will say, well, the Cardinals missed on DK Metcalf. Well, every team passed on him twice, including the Seahawks. And, you know, we were at the combine and not to be redundant, Coming off an injury, wasn't productive. Now, I need I need to mention that Roy Green, when he was able to, we were doing the show in the studio there, he loved DK Metcalf, and he reminds me all the time. <laughs> He's like, don't get worried about the one-trick pony, Mike. Just look at the speed, and 
I give him and Russell Wilson a ton of credit because you know how I, I watch this stuff in the offseason, and they work together going on vacation. He works out. He, Russell Wilson said he works out 365, 64 days a year. So give the player credit because he he really uh, came into the league, and he's one of the better receivers at his position size-wise and what he does on the field. And we hope that that development that we saw out of DK Metcalf, we get from Andy Isabella, Keyshawn Johnson this coming season. Of course, we've got to wait several months before that happens. But this is a big year, as we said, for those players and then for this position overall, because Kyler Murray needs as many weapons as possible to help him take that next step into year three. And hopefully, in the words of owner Michael Bidwell, get to the postseason here this upcoming season. Bird Gang, if you missed any of our position-by-position breakdowns, just go into the archives. We'll continue to do these next week as well as we get closer and closer to the new league year. And, of course, update those accordingly, especially when the team does decide to sign a player or two or perhaps maybe even makes a trade as well. And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.